Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Opaluski, now celebrating podcast number 150. Congratulations, John. Well, uh, congratulations to both of us. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I'm so... Uh, I'm just like overwhelmed by the fact that we've done 150 of these. So today is our, is the 150th. And and Jim, you know, I thought about what do I want to what do I want us to talk about at 150? Because yeah. we've talked yeah. about so much and we've had so many great guests on. And I thought, you know, I want to go back to the basics. I, I want to get back to the bread and butter. And we started that conversation in in one. 49, you know, we, yeah. we talked uh, really what we we're looking at is four behaviors of leaders that actually are, have gotten healthy and have stayed healthy for a long yeah. time. And yeah. uh, so the, the two that we talked about in 149, I'll just, I'll just mention them real quick because I think we've got enough to carry us with these last two in, in pod 150, but we talked about a vibrant walk with God. And I know that I, I believe this, that almost every person listening or watching uh, knows that is important, that a vibrant walk with God really matters. And yet the work that that God called them to do can get in the way of that mm. relationship and, and yeah. actually almost become a substitute if we're not careful, become an idol. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, I, and I'm worshiping success. I'm worshiping yeah. the mechanics of ministry. I'm worshiping how well I yeah. preach or how big our church is or you name it, right? Yeah. How many books we've right. written. And, yeah. and the, the guys and gals that are healthy and have been healthy for a long time, Jim, they have just, they rarely forget why they're here in the first place. It's because God did something amazing in their life. They, yeah. they are very well aware of how much sin has been forgiven in their yeah. life. You right. know, Jesus says, right. you forgive it, who, who has been forgiven much, loves much. And, yeah. and I think many, many times, some of, some of our leaders, man, they love God so much because they have been forgiven of some. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about the importance of that. Uh, as uh, or just the observation that this is something that's very solid in the lives of leaders that get and stay healthy. The second one was uh, healthy pastors have a game plan for their mental and emotional well-being, and they yep. execute it. Yep. And so we we talked about a variety of things under there about you know calendar control and making room for exercise and hobbies and friendship and rest and working on the ability to express our emotions in a way that's God honoring and, and healthy yeah. at the same time. And we talked, we, we ended it uh, at one forty nine talking about boundaries and, and setting and enforcing yeah. those relation, those relational boundaries. And, and, and I think really where we landed the plane last time is that healthy pastors take personal responsibility for this stuff. Mm -hmm. They take personal responsibility they have and, to. Yeah. and the game plan Accordingly. So that's what we talked about in 149. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I, you know, I, I have a friend who is a, a rural pastor in Arkansas and almost everything he says is some sort of country metaphor. And, and you know, that they're talking about staying healthy and boundaries. He says, you know, Jim, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch and you, you just, just stay in the road, man. Just avoid the ditch. 
And I feel like that's what we're doing right now is like your mm. this advice just keeps us on the road, keeps us out of the ditch. You talk about emotional rumble strips, the warning yeah. signs that you're getting out of balance. And I that's probably more of a suburban, you know, uh translation of uh, for every mile of road, there's two miles of ditch. It's it, it's funny because I, I think if we gave people a common sense questionnaire, you know, should you burn yourself out or should you not burn yourself out? Everybody knows the right answers, but I think the value of the conversation that we had last week and we're having this week is this is very practical. It's it's a reminder. It's repetitious, yeah. but it's still revelation. It's still, I mean, true or false, you and I are still dealing with these principles in our own lives, our own walk. This is a never-ending battle. So of we course. will never get tired of reminding our friends in ministry, our friends in leadership that, uh, you know, you got to put the first things first. And if yeah. you don't, then the second, third, and fourth things all fall apart. And it was preventable. So, right. so we got number one, we got number two, give us number three. So here's the third one, third behavior that we've observed in pastors that get and stay healthy over the long haul. And it's this, they work from their identity, not for their identity. Yes. They work from their identity, not for their identity. Now we talked about this multiple times together, yeah. you and I, um, and, and, and really the easiest way I can say this is that healthy pastors get their identity more from the God they love than the people they serve. Huge. Yeah. That's it. Could you say that again? Say it one yeah. more time. Healthy pastors get their identity more from the God they love than the people they serve. Yeah. You, you should figure out the Chinese characters of that and tattoo it on pastor's arms. Like that, that is, that, that is a strong and important reminder of, of the reality of life. That's great. Yeah. You know, I, I think, I think, Jim, if we get that backwards, you know, if we flip that and we yeah. get our identity more from people than from Jesus, I, yeah. I think we end up trying to get from ministry what ultimately only Jesus can give us. Yes. Yeah. Right. That, that lasting sense of value, that, right. that rock solid sense of belonging. Um you know, if, if you're a pastor who loves Jesus, your identity isn't you have a, a, a church of a certain size. Your identity is that you are an adopted son or daughter who is unconditionally loved by a good father. Yeah. yeah. That's your identity. And yeah, chosen, right? Handpicked. Yeah. Preferred over. Yeah. 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 And, it, and when I really dwell on that, Jim, um, sometimes I get emotional. Yeah. When yeah. I dwell on it. And sometimes I, I feel like, God, I can't believe that you feel that way about me, yeah. that that's true. And so what I do multiple times every week, when I wrap up my devotional time with the Lord in the morning, Jim, I, 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 I work on identity stuff. And, and here's how yeah. I do it. I just, I just say, God, I thank you that you adopted me according to your will. And your pleasure, that I'm your son, yeah. that I belong yeah. to you, that you're well pleased with me, that yeah. that um, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, that you that the word tells me that you dance over me with singing, you you take great delight in yeah. me, because the world and people and the devil rarely, well, the devil never does it, but yeah. <laughs> wants to put that into it it's always this trying to steal that from us and and yeah. so i've just noticed that guys and gals that really are healthy jim 
I'm not saying this never this battle is over for them, but yeah. they've really uh, they've really brought this thought process into proper perspective, and and they've got control. They really do show control over that. What do you, what do you think yeah. about this? Boy, I, I you know it's funny because it seems like we're saying again. We said this last week. Jesus says, you know, what, what's the most important thing? He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. If we're not careful, we'll think he said two things instead of three. I, mm -hmm. I think he said three. I, I think he yeah, said, love God. I think he said, love your neighbor, but he gave it a, a, a qualifier as you love yourself. So for us to, to consistently love, to, to live our lives in love, we have to be loved and we have to love, right? So this is the, this is the currency of our relationship with the father. But then, you know, I, I cannot give away what I haven't received. And I, and I also, I can't receive what I, what I, what I, what I don't think I deserve. You know, mm -hmm. so when someone says you're the yeah. greatest speaker in the history of speakers, I won't receive that. I'm I'm no Spurgeon. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're the funniest guy. It's like you've never heard Robin Williams. You know, you're the right. you're the best looking person. Like, oh, what's it like to be blind? So when you when you have people that are you know that say things that yeah, I don't I can't receive it because I don't I don't deserve that. So how right. do we receive the unconditional, mm -hmm. unlimited love of God? I, I don't. I that's a that's an episode for another time. But but if we can't. Understand, we don't love ourselves as we're loved. We cannot love our neighbor as ourselves. And it, it almost sounds, I, I know we can get self-serving. I, mean, I just need to love myself and never love anybody else until I'm really good at loving myself. That That's not what I'm saying, but, right. but you'll, you won't love others adequately because you won't be safe enough to love others adequately unless you love yourself. You will not right. be able to, to risk confrontation where iron sharpens iron unless you're secure without the affirmation yeah. of every man that you need to engage in some sort of corrective action. This is huge. This is, I think Jesus said three things. You got to love me. You got to love you. And from those things, you got to love the people around you. Um, and I think so often we teach it as two things and I, it really is not, is it? It's, uh, it's, it's three things. You know, it's a three-parter. And, yeah. and, and so I, I would challenge every leader, every person who's listening or watching today, uh, when you spend time with the Lord, and hopefully that's a regular occurrence, yeah. uh, that you you at some point in that time of conversation with the Lord, that you would rehearse, God, I thank you that I'm adopted in love yeah. according yeah. to your will and pleasure, regardless. Listen, and that is true, regardless of how big or not your church is. Regardless of yeah. how well or not you preach this past Sunday, regardless of what your emotions are telling you right now in this moment, God's love for you comes full force without strings yeah. attached. And when I get a hold of that, Jim, when I when I get a hold of that, I begin to draw that sense of identity yeah. from the person the only person in the universe who can give me a stable sense of value. That's yeah. it. I can't even, I can't even get that from people who love me. No, no. And on you purpose, right. Or, or yeah. they would, or you wouldn't need God if you had that. I, I looked at my phone. I seldom ever do this, but I, I have confessional truths. Same thing you're talking about. Yeah. I wrote mine down. And my, my number one is this. I am love beyond measure. And without condition by my heavenly father, who knowing my life in advance, created me, chose me, gifted me, is fully committed to me and will never change his mind about me. 
That that's mm-hmm. a that's a daily confessional, and I've got uh-huh. so I've got seven of them. I always do number one. I don't always do all seven, but number one is okay. important. And I got that because Dr. Caroline Leaf, who deals a lot with neuroplasticity, you know, and being transformed by the renewing of your mind, she, she sure. coined a phrase. I think it's common maybe to most of our listeners now, but you we're always heading in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Mm-hmm. So my strongest thought is, man, I screwed that up, man. I hope they never find out how what I really think. Why I'm I'm hiding my ignorance with all this masked, you know, uh, false pseudo security. Um, yeah. I'm loved. Well, that's kind of the ball game. I don't need to join a gang. I'm loved. I don't need my congregation to be my sole source of affirmation. I'm I'm loved by God. Yeah. And I think this is good for our marriages too. If, if yeah. my wife and I are arguing and I don't know the love of God and who I am, then I'll I'll become something I'm not to try to make her happy, which in turn doesn't make her happy. And she right. she wants me to be the man that God created me to be. So it's I yeah. again, John, I, I think this is solid gold. I think you're mining in the right area. And and so we want to create new pathways in our brain, Jim. We we want yes, to create we, do. we have to these these neural pathways of yeah. truth that um, affect our decision making. They affect um, what we say yes to, what we say no to. They affect how we respond when we're mistreated. They affect how we respond when we're applauded. I mean, it, it, it's one of those, it, I don't know the right word to, to really put around this third one, but it's yeah. so like, it's so foundational. Everything is foundational. by it. Yeah. And, and yeah. the leaders who understand this and work really hard on this, stay healthy. Yeah. They stay healthy over the long haul. Let me yep. give you one more. It so is. we've talked about a vibrant right. love for God, right? A vibrant yeah. walk with God. We talked in 149 about this having an actual game plan for emotional well-being. And you know, here's how you know if you have one or not. If somebody asks you, what's your game plan for your tending to your emotions and well-being, and you can't answer, you don't have a plan, right? So (laughs) you just don't have a plan. The third one uh, is is working from our identity, not for our identity. And here's the fourth one. And this one is more external. In its in its in its presentation, but I do think there's internal things that are feeding it, um, and that is this: healthy pastors share the load. Yeah, yeah. And I've I've discovered this that sharing the ministry load doesn't always come naturally to a pastor. If mm. if you're a perfectionist and a pastor, you have double trouble. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. you might think falsely. No one can do this task as well as I can. Or I've heard this one more. It's just easier if I do this task myself rather yeah. than trying to teach someone else to do it, which is a total lie. Yeah. Yeah. It's only easier in the moment. It's yeah. not easier over the long haul uh, to teach somebody how to do things that you're doing that they could do, and maybe they can even do it better than you. And yes. that frees you up as a leader to work on your ministry more than you're working in your ministry. So yeah. this sharing of the load, Jesus, Lord Jesus, I was going to say, Jesus, you're not Jesus, you're Jim. Uh, yes, yes. It says right here on my name tag. <laughs> oh, it only took me 150 episodes to call you Jesus. <laughs> I just thought you were cussing. So I'm glad I'm relieved that's not the case, John. That's good. 
that you finally got frustrated with people in the church. <laughs> uh, how did we get here? Give me your thoughts, Jim, on this, on this fourth. Well, my initial thought uh, is you're right. I'm not Jesus. My second thought, my second thought, you know, um, I, you know, the, the thought that I can do it better, it, that might be true, but, but I want you to think back to someone who gave, you know, we say this all the time, name five sermons that have changed your life. Nobody can name five people that have changed your life. Everybody can. And one of the things those five people generally have in common is they gave you an opportunity to become you. So yeah. they saw in you a gift. They saw it, whether it's music or speaking or changing the overhead projector slides or spelling or cleaning or standing up the door greeting people, whatever it was, they saw that in you and they invited you to be you in a more meaningful way than you just sitting in a pew and not being you. So yeah. if if our if our great commission is discipleship, we we are discipleship by definition is is a disciplined series of relationships where the load is shared. So yeah. let, let's say let's I go back to youth pastor days. So 30 years ago, the guy with a thousand kids in his youth group has a certain measure of success. But now let's move forward 30 years. How many of those thousand kids are still serving the Lord? And yeah. those who aren't, why? And the, now at the same time, there's a guy that had 50 kids in his youth group. Let's fast forward 30 years forward. And let's say both groups had, you know, 40 kids that came out disciple. Well, one got, you know, 80% of the kids discipled. Their faith went with them in their journey to adulthood. The other one had, what is that, 4% or, you yeah. know, that. so it's a, it's a huge difference. I'm, we, we measure in, in the, the, the triangle that we teach and the recruiting to releasing, you know, how many did you minister to? That's a great question. There's nothing wrong with the question. But I think the question we need to answer is how many do you have ministry for? So if we're going to yeah. grow the base of the pyramid, if you're listening and not watching, I'm drawing the base of the pyramid versus the height of the pyramid or triangle. By growing that base, you cannot grow the base without delegating meaningful things to people in the base. And by yeah. growing the base, the predetermined stable height of the pyramid grows every time you add somebody else to that leadership team. And maybe they, maybe they don't spell check as well as you do. Maybe they don't speak or sing as well as you do. Maybe they can't play the accordion <laughs> as well as you do. But, but allowing them to be who they are is growing the base of ministry for people. And if you have ministry for 500 people, there will be 500 people soon. Now, whether they have 1,000 people today or 100 people today. Is irrelevant. If there's ministry for 500 people, it will shrink or it will grow to to the stable base of those yeah. whom you have ministry for. So I we need to. If I could do anything, if I could change anything in, in pastors' minds today, John, that would be one of the things. Like mm-hmm. on devaluing to some degree how many you're running, and this, yeah. instead of saying how many do you believe you have active, functioning, healthy people. That are providing ministry for. If we focused on that number, Jesus focused on that number. Yes, he, he didn't did. focus on how many, you know, how many thousands came. If he wanted to focus on crowds, I mean, the whole world would have shown up. But he wanted ministry. He wanted people in that base. He discipled people. So discipling, right. delegating, those are those are almost synonyms. Yeah, and and you know, if you look at Jesus, he operated like that, right? He, he did. chose. He did choose five hundred to disciple. He chose twelve. Yeah. And he demonstrated the work of the kingdom while they watched, at least initially, right? And then after that, he delegated a small venture to them. And uh, uh, in Luke chapter 10, you know, he he does this this little, and I just, I'm in the gospel of Luke right now, and it's just blessing me so much again. But 
Um, I noticed that he delegated this small venture to the 72, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, you know, they go do their thing that, at his uh, direction. They come back and share with him what happened. And he gives them feedback on, yeah. on this piece of work that he gave them to do. And then at the end, right before he is taken up into heaven, he fully empowers them to do the work of the kingdom. He left the work in their hands with yeah. the promise with the promise that he would be available to them for encouragement and strength. So if you want a model for sharing the load, read the gospels. And yeah. Jesus demonstrates this beautifully. He demonstrates yeah. it perfectly. Jim, you and I have been in more than one church where we are not leading anything. We're just we're just there and yeah. the pastor uh he leads worship he does announcements he receives the offering he does the preaching yeah. he does the praying at the altar at the end of the service he answers questions he's out shaking hands in the foyer and then right. next he comes and he or she does it all over again yeah. and yeah. i look at that and i think you've got to be tired yeah and two you're actually stealing from people yeah. You are stealing the opportunity for people to find their fit, to find their purpose, to let God use them. Some I've had some pastors say, I'm too, I'm, I'm, we're too small. I've got to do it all. They understand that thought. But can yeah. I just object and say, I want to give you a different thought that God has put people in your line of sight, whether you're looking or not is another thing. But he's put people right. in your line of sight who can help, who can actually help share some of that load. And healthy pastors have figured out to do that at any level. Some, yeah. some guys say, when I get to 500, then I'll share the loading. They get to 500 oh. and they don't know how to share the load. They don't oh, know how to no. share the load. And they're a yeah. mess on top of that. Yeah. So talk to me just a little bit about that, Jim, as we kind of wrap this 150. Up. Yeah, well, I, I think I think that guy, when I get to the 500, I'll share the load. That's like saying, I'm like, that's a kamikaze pilot. That, you're not coming back from that. that yeah. you, you, because it is now built on a single personality, a single methodology, a single calendar, a single reservoir of resource. And, and there's no way one guy, I mean, Jesus didn't pastor 500 people, right? I mean, the right. largest group of people he was pastoring, he would speak to thousands, but there was 120, 12, yeah. three, and one. And, and I, I think if our group is, if we are pastoring actively under the guise of discipleship, if we're discipling people, if, if the Lord Jesus Christ never went for a larger number than 120, then he's telling us something. And that's without you know, ballet class and T-ball and Facebook and 24-hour yeah. news cycles and, you know, the, the phone in my pocket that's always telling me that there was another explosion in some other country that I need to be concerned about. Like yeah. that, in, in a slow-moving, agricultural-based society, Jesus never got more than 120 people in, in an active, ongoing relationship or a church, you might call it today. Yeah. We we are not and he we are being unrealistic. And he changed, and he changed the, world. the world because he discipled a handful of people who discipled a handful of people who discipled a handful of people. So we don't, we don't consider that success if there isn't a, a stadium full of people, or, you know, a larger group than the other guy. If it's yep. larger than I'm more successful, that's a trap. Just yep. you, you'll be remembered as, as somebody's, 
you know, five people that changed my life. If you disciple them, I promise you, if you're their pastor and you preach a great sermon every week, you'll be forgotten. And the Mm -hmm. sermons at least will be forgotten. I promise you. So if if the goal is kingdom, if the goal is influence, if the goal is changing the world, um, the only way to do that, the only way to do that is to delegate meaningful work, find out who they are, release them in environments that make them make sense. And you'll be on the list of the five people that change your life. Yeah. So I want to wrap up today just with a a question, a direct question to all of our leaders who are listening today. Are you healthy? For real? (laughs) How's your your walk with God? Uh, Are you paying attention and processing your emotions properly? From whom are you getting your identity? And, and are you sharing ministry with others? So yeah. can we, can I challenge all of you who are listening or watching to take an honest look in the mirror and ask yourself those four questions and get yeah. answers to those four questions. And look, if the answers you receive from those four questions aren't the answers you were hoping for, you know what? I would rather have you be in touch with what's really going on in your world. If you have answers to those questions and the answers to those are no, at least you're, you know that the answer is no. Yeah. And the good news is, is that with some help and some encouragement, some, maybe some mentoring or coaching, um, you can make progress and you can move forward. Look, we're 150 episodes in. And the message hasn't changed. We want you well. We want you healthy. We want your marriage to flourish and prosper. We want your kids to love Jesus and love the church. Yeah. Yeah. Love his mission. And you, as a leader, are such an important piece of that puzzle. You don't have to do 40 things to stay healthy. We've given you four over the last two pods. And I would say this. That as you grow and I grow and Jim grows, as we grow in these four areas, I'm telling you, health is is in our reach. And and it's there for us uh, for the long haul, not for a day or two. So, Jim, that's what I've got today. You know, and it was funny as you were closing that up, John, I was hearing the person in my heart say things like, well, yeah, but I, I see that. But but after the building program's done, oh yeah, I see that. But after we get to hundred, I see that. But after I, I deal with this difficult staff situation, and I, I just sometimes again knowing the truth and living the truth are two completely different things. And I sometimes you need that 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 confirming voice in your life that says mm-hmm. now, do it now. You know, or, or what are the what's keeping you from doing it now? Let's let's talk about the fears. Let's talk about the the realities. So we again. Here we are, pod 150, and pod one and pod 150 have the same offer in it, 30 minutes uh, of, of time to listen, to talk free of charge. This is, this is a gift, but it's also an investment that we make. We, we want to know what you're going through. Um, having helped thousands now of pastors, we've probably heard the problems before. We've probably heard the objections before. We probably know some answers. And if we can't help you, we know somebody who can. So give us a call. Uh, go to convergecoach.com and on the links page, just click on it. Let's start a conversation. And I'll, I will make a prediction that in episode 200, 
250, 300, 350 as the Lord tarries as these years progress. We'll be making that offer and we'll be talking about the, the things that we believe are instrumental, most important, foundational to you succeeding because that's that's our heart, that's our prayer, that's our goal. So God bless you. It's Tuesday and you didn't quit and you made it through a podcast and now I believe the hands of God have molded the clay of your soul adequately enough to go in and the shape of who you are can, can be changed into his likeness. So you, pastors, leaders, are the focus of this ministry. We love you. God bless you. And keep going as you continue to lead from life.